You want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. What's up, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Sadiqi, no Zach today. I am recording on vacation with my wife. Well, she's not here. She's not going to be joining us. But from Florence, Italy, I have to have at least one vacation before the football season starts. Obviously, before I say goodbye for a few months, right? So but at the end of the day, it is August. We have so much to cover. So there's no way that I could... Uh, there's no there, there's no way that I could just leave you guys hanging for a couple weeks, right? So I'll be here for the next, you know, I'll be here for a little while before the season starts. And there's a lot of stuff that we want to cover from camp that we haven't talked about on the podcast yet since last Thursday. I uh, hope everyone's doing well, by the way. I'm in a, you know, nice little hotel downstairs. My wife's still sleeping. It's early in the morning. Try to knock this out before we go explore. Have some have some awesome Italian food. I can't wait. I can't wait. I hope everyone's doing well. Let's get let's get started. I wanted to, you know, go over a bunch of camp notes today, uh, for the most part. Um, you know, I, you know, there's a lot going on. We wanna make sure that we're separating the noise from what we actually should be paying attention to. You know, what's real, what's not. I want to hit some news first, though. Uh, Devon A-Chain, a little bit banged up with a leg injury. He's day-to-day. Let's monitor that. Devon A-Chain, somebody that, you know, we could be targeting with a 9th, 10th round price tag. He is my favorite running back in the Miami Dolph, in the Miami backfield right now. But, uh, you know, we're not sure exactly what the injury is. But given the fact that he's day-to-day, Hopefully, he should be back soon. It doesn't seem like it's much to worry about at this point. Um, Sean Mavay says that Cooper Cup is day-to-day. He doesn't think that it's anything to be overly concerned with. Uh, he's hopeful that to have Cup back for joint practices with the Raiders, which is either August 16th or 17th. Their game against the Raiders is on the 19th. So that means that he could be back sometime next week, which is good news because – if that's if that's truly the case, hopefully, hopefully they're not rushing him back. Hopefully he'll, you know, he's good to go, and you know we're not talking about a lingering soft tissue injury here. So if that's the case, then uh, you know we could be drafting him early in the first round once again, without much worry. Um, I would love to see him back first practice and all that without any setbacks, um, but for now, you know, still probably drafting guys like Tyreek Hill over him, you know potentially even Travis Kelsey. Uh, but I'm, I'm not sure that I'm going to be moving him much you know, further down than that. Miles Sanders apparently tweaked something in individual drills over the weekend. Uh, you know, but we, nor Coach Frank, knows what just yet. I'm sure Frank, Frank Reich knows at this point. But, you know, we have, no, we have no more information on that. So stay tuned on that. Um, <clears throat> hopefully it's nothing too serious. Hopefully, Miles Sanders will be good to go. Um, but just, just you know, just monitor that as as we get into draft season. Uh, Garrett Wilson, he's expected to be back 
uh, today, uh, basically on Tuesday. So uh, that's great news. He was only out for what, you know, a week, a week and a half. Not too bad. The ankle injury seemed to be super, super mild. So he's back now. That's good. That's good to hear. ESPN's General Lane expects running back Chase Edmonds to open the season as the Bucks' third down back. Uh, that's a big claim by General Lane. She's been at practices, though. She knows what's going on. Chase Edmonds was traded to the Broncos. The Broncos released him earlier this year. The Bucks scooped him up. And, you know, you would think that someone like Rashad White, who is a really, really good pass catcher, uh, would take that third down role. But, but, Chase Evans is, you know, known as one of the better pass protectors in the league. Um, so this, I could see this making sense. Um, this would suck because, you know, that's a lot of opportunity from a pass catcher. You know, if we're going to depend on the pass catching role for Rashad White and we're depending on him getting, you know, 70, 80 catches potentially, um, you know, and that's kind of his role on a, on a bad offense, you know, that's not ideal, right? Hopefully he's the guy on the field in the two-minute drill because we know that the Bucks are going to be in a lot of two-minute and catch-up situations, and that's where he's going to make a lot of his uh, his production will be in those situations. Um, like, I can see situations where Rashad White, you know, isn't having a great fantasy day until the, the last, like, three minutes of the game where he racks up, you know, four or five catches and all of a sudden – you know, he's a high-end RB2. He finishes as a high-end RB2, right? Um, that's kind of where his value is going to be. So if this is true and Rashad White is just going to be their early down back, obviously he's going to be used a ton in the receiving game on early downs, right? Like he's still going to be running routes. And they, they're, they're expanding his route tree and all that. But, you know, my understanding going in was that he would be their three down back. And this isn't like, you know, what you want to hear from somebody who you're depending on value, right? It's not a killer of his value, but it's not amazing, if that makes sense. Kenny McIntosh has a knee sprain, man. This Seattle backfield cannot stop getting hurt. This is insane, man. He has a knee sprain. He's going to be out for a few weeks, but Zach Charbonnet is back in practice. He's the only notable Seahawks running back that is healthy. Um, it's good for him. He's going to get a ton of reps. Uh, it's possible that because of the fact that he's healthy and Kenneth Walker isn't at this point that, you know, Charbonnet could end up, you know, taking advantage and, and working his way into the rotation, further into the rotation than he would have if Walker was healthy. But we'll see how long Walker uh, will remain out for. Uh, I think that can determine a lot. And obviously Charbonnet is going to have to prove it in practice and show that, he's deserving um, of moving into, you know, that Kenneth Walker, uh, you know, workload uh, because Walker proved it last year. Charbonnet is going to have to prove it uh, here during camp and in preseason. Elijah Mitchell's hurt. What's new? He has an adductor strain. He's going to be out for a week or two. Um, You know, this is one of the reasons why I'm not worried about Christian McCaffrey. All those questions about Elijah Mitchell, like he's been in and out of the lineup forever, right? Like what are we really worried about here? Right. It's another reason why I don't love him. I haven't been drafting a whole lot of him. You know, I know that a lot of people love him as like one of the primary handcuffs to grab. Sure. Like, you know, if CMC, if CMC ends up, ends up missing the game, right. Elijah Mitchell's the handcuff, right? Well, what if he's hurt and he's not <laughs> the handcuff, right? So like that, that's my issue with Elijah Mitchell. Like he's, 
he's almost more banged up than Christian McCaffrey, like on a percentage basis, percentage of games played, right? So I'm not depending on him as a handcuff. I don't want to like, you know, keep him on my bench, you know, half the time he's hurt. Like I'm good, man. Um, and also the other running backs in that backfield are impressing apparently in camp a little bit. Well, you know, we've seen this before um, where running backs have been impressing in camp and, you know, in San Francisco. Um, but, you know, something to keep in mind, I'm not sure that, you know, it's a, it's clear cut that Elijah Mitchell is going to be the guy uh, as the number two, as a clear number two uh, without anybody else working into that workload uh, if CMC were to go down. Uh, Javante Williams is going to play in the preseason, which is absolutely bananas, honestly. And if that's the case, listen, man. He tore multiple ligaments outside of the ACL. You know, this is, you know, something that, you know, we looked at J.K. Dobbins last year. He he had to, you know, he didn't, he couldn't play until, you know, not even the start of the season. He had to wait until, you know, a few games into the season. And he had some swelling after that as well, right? And he had to miss a few games again. He had to have a cleanup like early in the season after he started playing. So, but Javante Williams, like, let's see how he does. You know, let's see how he feels after these preseason games. If if he's good to go, like I, I want to see how he's used. If they use him, if he looks good, he's being drafted as you know outside the top twenty-four. Man, like that's that seems a little low, right? And I've been out on Javante, but this is just a miraculous comeback for him. This is something out of the norm. Um, and I've listened to a lot. I've researched a lot on this stuff. And Javante Williams, his injury was something that you just want to avoid, especially first year back. Explosiveness isn't there um, for these running backs, you know, that first year back. You know, we're, and we're not talking just ACL here, right? We're talking ACL plus a whole bunch of other stuff. These multi-ligament injuries are just known for these running backs not to be back at their full strength the year after um, they return. But we'll see, man. This is a this is a corner case here, though. That's what it seems like to me. Uh, that's what it seems like to a lot of the other doctors that I've I've watched videos on, and you know, I, I've really been looking into this Javante situation because it's it's really interesting. So we'll see what happens here. Uh, but I'm looking forward to see him in practice. Either way, I think Samaj P. Ryan's probably the same for bet at this point. Going back to the point, ers real quick, I forgot to mention that Brock Purdy has taken every single first-team snap when he has been active in camp. So he's been getting rest days, but outside of his rest days, he has been the guy. He has been the clear QB1. Okay, and that's according to my guy, Jason Aponte, who's been at every 49ers camp this offseason. A few other beat reporters have said that as well. So Brock Purdy's the guy. And if you're looking for somebody super, super late in drafts, you know, you, you punt at the quarterback position. I think Brock Purdy, he's worth taking a shot on. 49ers quarterbacks have been, you know, very efficient. And, you know, among all quarterbacks last year, on a fantasy points per drop back basis, Brock Purdy was up near the top of the league. I'm talking about near Patrick Mahomes. Like, I'm not saying he's that guy, but he's very efficient in this offense. And the fantasy points um, have been there on a per, on a per drop back basis. Okay, and obviously he has the weapons, he has the system, he can get it done. Moving to Cleveland, uh, Kevin Stefanski said that the third down roll can either go to Nick Chubb or Jerome Ford, and they're still working on those roles and what their options are. 
And I guess that would be a tough decision to make for them. But Ford just went down with a hamstring injury. So no word how bad that is. Uh, but this could be a lost opportunity for him, right? And if he's going to be hurt for the next you know, couple of weeks, if he's, re- if he's going to be banged up with that hamstring injury, this just made me a lot more interested in Chubb in the early second round because if Chubb can take over those third downs, I mean, his ceiling just went way, 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 way up. All right, let's see how bad the injury is for Ford. Um, you know, they the coaching staff did say that, like, yeah, you know, Chubb, you know, could see some more receptions this year because of the fact that Kareem Hunt had that role before. Um, so there is a little bit of an opening here for Nick, Nick Chubb to do his thing, which is kind of exciting, honestly. Earlier, you know, I, I just, you know, spoke about this you know, maybe in the last episode or two where I'm a little worried that they just plug in whatever running back in that third down role and Chubb just sees 50 to 60% of snaps, which is obviously enough for him to be an RB1. But if, if they're going to unlock, you know, passing down snaps and him being targeted on, on, you know, on these passing downs and his rap participation goes up, we're talking like high-end RB1 easily for Nick Chubb. All right, let's move on to some camp stuff. Um, you know, I put out a post on Instagram with a lot of camp news. Uh, I'll be going over some of that, uh, but there's a lot of stuff that I couldn't throw, I couldn't fit into the Instagram post that we're going to be talking about here as well. All right, so we haven't really touched on the Alvin Kamara news because uh, it broke on Friday. We recorded it on Thursday. Um, so, you know, you guys probably know that he's suspended for three games. That's going to come at the, at the beginning of the season. So the first three games, he'll be out. That leaves Kendrick Miller and Jamal Williams. You guys probably know how I feel about that situation. Um, Nick Underhill of the Saints, uh, he, he's, a, he's a beat reporter for the Saints, one of, one of the primary beat reporters for them, the most popular one. Uh, he basically said that if he was drafting for fantasy, he would be drafting Kendrick Miller. And he would be avoiding Jamal Williams, and he thinks that if this backfield is goes the way that it's expected to go, that Kendrick Miller passes up Jamal Williams on the depth chart. Okay, and that's coming from somebody straight who has been watching the team, who's been in all the practices, who knows what's going on, he knows the organization, right? So this is not coming from me. Okay, so I'm not trying to be biased here, you know, that, you know, this, you know, Kendrick Miller's my guy or something like that. Like, that's not really the case. Like, I'm just trying to make you guys understand that Kendrick Miller is like a really good running back and Jamal Williams is not. And, you know, is there a, is there a, a potential scenario where Jamal Williams as being a veteran, the guy who scored a bunch of touchdowns last year, the guy who they just brought in, you know, as a free agent, you know, does, does he get the benefit of doubt? Maybe. Yeah. That's definitely a, a potential possibility. But at the end of the day, if you're going to take a shot, you know, for fantasy, the upside is all Kendry Miller, okay, for those first three games. Now, it could be a split. It could be annoying. It could be a situation where neither, you know, they're just taken away from each other in those first three games, sure. Uh, but, you know, Kendry Miller is a, you know, late-round pick. He's being taken the 13th round, 14th round in a lot of drafts. So it's just worth the upside pick, right? And they're going to be using Kamara a lot more in the receiving game, according to Nick Underhill. So, you know, it's very possible that there is a door open for an early down back here, a primary early down back, and it might not be Kamara. His efficiency also dropped last year a ton, 
in the run game. So it is possible that we see him in the receiving game more and potentially someone like Hendry Miller taking over on early downs later on in the season, right? So he's somebody that you kind of grab early to see what he does in those first three games. He could potentially, you know, earn a spot in the rotation because of his performance in those three games. If not, you still hold on to him because later on in the season, he could develop a role. Does that make sense? I hope it does. Okay, that's kind of how I'm looking at it right now. Um, if you didn't listen to Thursday's episode, I'd go over why Kendra Miller is that dude. Okay. Um, but in terms of Alvin Kamara's fantasy value, um, I am he's going to be right outside my top 24. Okay. Um, he's not going to be, you know, super – I'm not moving him that much higher. Um, he was outside my top 30 before. And now I'll tell you where I moved him. I moved him the other day. I moved him uh, at RB24 uh, and, you know, I moved him ahead of Cam Akers. I moved him ahead of Damian Pierce. I moved him ahead of Devon A. Chain. That's kind of where he's sitting right now. And I think that he'll be involved enough in the receiving game to kind of come through there. But I do have him behind guys like Kenneth Walker, Travis Etienne, and David Montgomery. That's kind of where he's at. I have him ahead of uh, I have him behind. I'm sorry, I have him behind those guys. If I didn't say that already, but Travis Etienne, you know, I have James Cook at RB19 moved him up. By the way, if you want to see my rankings, uh, Patreon.com/slash/UpperHandFantasy. I added a blurbs, uh, detailed blurbs for like more than 100 players just to get you guys ready for uh, for your drafts. Uh, so make sure to check that out. Uh, we have articles coming out probably today on um, you know a bunch of sleepers and and targets and all that round by round. I'm doing a new round by round article coming out soon. Okay. So, so make sure you check out patreon.com slash upper hand fantasy. The middle tier gives you those blurbs. So you can check that out. Now, I think that's enough of that, that situation in new Orleans. Uh, let's move on to some more news and some more stuff coming out of camp. It's interesting because, you know, I was really in on Jonathan Mingo early on. Um, and he's, you know, doing it right in camp. But I think the real wide receiver who has been putting on a show is DJ Shark. And as of right now, he's looking like Bryce Young's favorite target. Um, Steve Reed of the Associated Press said that, that it's been a very, very steady and strong connection between those two guys. Um, Joe Person, who's another beat reporter for the Panthers of the Athletic, he's saying that, it, you know, it's been a pattern. With Chark, Chark getting the ball a ton, um, wide receiver coach Sean Jefferson has said that he's earned the trust of Bryce and Frank Reich. So then it seems like they connect every practice. So it seems like they're very, very connected. It seems like he's been the go-to, and as long as he stays healthy, it's possible that he's the guy that you want for fantasy. Now, is Adam Thielen going to be the first read out a lot of plays? Maybe. But I think DJ, DJ Shark is going to be that big play guy. And you, you even saw it last year, even on the Lions, he was pretty fantasy relevant, you know, for a few weeks towards the end of the season there once he got healthy. So something to keep an eye on. He still has it. Um, and I, I think I'm pivoting potentially from Mingo to DJ Shark at this point if I'm going to take a late round, you know, dart throw on one of these Panthers wide receivers. Obviously, you know, you still want to pay attention to what's going on in camp, but for now... DJ Shark is somebody who's intriguing and is worth a late round dart throw. Uh, Justin Ross uh, of the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, they picked him super late in the draft. 
last year. Um, you know, he was on IR because of that foot injury. But he seems to be 100% right now. And Patrick Mahomes is saying that he's getting more and more reps with the first team. He's somebody that is intriguing. Another dart throw later in drafts uh, for, you know, that last round. You know, really because he has a talent, man. Like, if he never had that disc issue in his in his neck and his back, he would have been a first-round pick, you know, out of Clemson, right? So you have someone like that pair with Patrick Mahomes. The upside is immense, Okay, so he's somebody that you want to take advantage of. This is a wide receiver depth chart that is completely wide open as of right now. The guy who has the highest chance of being fantasy relevant among these wide receivers is Sky Moore. You should be taking chances on him. But at the end of the day, at the, you know, with the last pick in your draft, I think Justin Ross is somebody to take a shot on for sure. Uh, Jordan Addison, like, I'm... Um, um, it's getting really, really hard to pass pass him up at ADP. Okay, he's just standing out like crazy. One thing to keep in mind is that Adam Thielen won the, ran the second most routes among all NFL wide receivers last year. Justin Jefferson was number one. So Jordan Addison is going to take that role. You know that that Thielen had last year. They they pass at an incredible rate. Um, they're fast. They, they run a ton of plays and. They're a very, they're extremely pass first team. Okay. So he's somebody that you should be targeting, in my opinion. Um, he's standing out. He's a very good prospect. He's separating like crazy in practice, apparently. Um, and, you know, beat, beat reporters just can't stop raving about him. And you see the videos that, that have been out there, right? You don't, you don't want to, you, you don't want to have that influence you too much. But we knew that he was a good, receiver you knew that he was being drafted in the first round you know he's a solid prospect and you know on this offense he's going to do his thing moving on to the giants man daniel jones all beat reporters all all you know signs are pointing towards daniel jones being just a different quarterback this year um dan duggan of the athletic said that you know he looks much more comfortable now than he looked a, a year ago complete different quarterback you know Connor Hughes of SNY, who covers the Giants and the Jets, he said that, you know, that Daniel Jones just looks like a very, very good quarterback. He looks just like a different quarterback. You know, he also kind of echoed what Dan Duncan said. So Daniel Jones is shaping up. You know, you, you look at his rushing ability, right? You look at the fact that he's paired with a, a head coach who took Josh, who helped Josh Allen take, take the next level, take the next step to the next level. Somebody that I would be targeting in drafts around that, you know, 12th, 13th round. Um, you know, if you didn't take a quarterback early, I think Daniel Jones is, is one of those quarterbacks that I would be targeting. Um, he had the rushing ability. He could run one in at any point. Um, you know, it's not like he has like a whole lot of wide receivers to help him right now, but he does have Dan Waller, right? Um, and he will potentially take the, you know, that next step. Uh, in this offense, just like Josh Allen did. Um, I could see it, man. I could see it. So the fact that, you know, he's been looking sharp in camp is another reason to, to go after him um, in fantasy draft. Moving on to Arizona. I know this is a ship show of an offense, but Michael Wilson has been their starting X receiver in camp. He has been looking really, really good. Um, listeners of the podcast would know that I know I'm Michael Wilson truther. He is a, a very good wide receiver. Um, you know, got a chance to meet him at the Senior Bowl, see what he's all about. 
um, high character dude, but also very, very talented. Just didn't get enough opportunity uh, because of all the injuries that he had in college. But at Stanford, he's somebody that I would be looking at dynasty more so because I just don't trust the, the situation, quarterback situation this year. Kyler Murray really wants to make it back for week one. And if that happens, I truly believe that Michael Wilson is going to be a serious value. He's somebody that you can pick up on waivers. Uh, and, you know, he separates with, with the best of them, man. He's one of the best X receivers in this draft, in my opinion, this past draft. And it could turn out that he ends up being the best X receiver in this draft. So, you know, obviously I think I would profile Hollywood as the number one wide receiver there right now. But Michael Wilson is somebody that you should definitely pay attention to. This could be the year of the rookie tight end guys, okay? Like, the reason why a lot of these rookie tight ends don't pan out is because they're sharing that load. You know, coaches don't trust them with the full load. They're not running a route on a high percentage of quarterback dropbacks, and that's the real reason, right? The, the, the tight ends of, of the past, like, you know, when you look at – so Dwayne McFarlane of Fantasy Life mentioned that – he tweeted that the other day, and he said that – you know, by the way, go check out fantasylife.com. I don't know what you're doing if you're not doing that because their resources are, resources are completely free. They have some of the best analysts in the game uh, and some of the best resources on their website. So go check them out, fantasylife.com. But Dwayne McFarlane said it the other day. He said, you know, one of the reasons why rookie tight ends don't pan out is because they don't have a high rap participation. The last two that did was Kyle Pitts and – who was it? Kyle Pitts and uh, it was the Giants – oh, Evan Ingram, right? And they both had, you know, top 12 rookie seasons for fantasy, okay? Three tight ends have that ability to do that this year. That's number one is Sam Laporta. Number two is Dalton Kincaid. And the third being Luke Musgrave. All three of these guys have the potential to run a route on more than 75% of their quarterbacks' dropbacks, which would mean that they're going to be fantasy relevant, very fantasy relevant, right? That's the main metric that you want to look for for any tight end. Right, their route participation, fantasylife.com shows that. So if you go to their their tools, you'll see the route participation for these tight ends, and you'll notice that all the tight ends who have a high route participation are the ones that have been fantasy relevant for the most part. Okay. Top 12 tight ends, that's how you kind of figure that out. If you're looking for a buy low tight end early on in the year, you look for a tight end who has high route participation but might not have got the production, right? So that's that's kind of what you look for. Um, Sam Laporta, though. It seems like he's going to have that from the get, right? And, you know, I was reading this athletic article the other day from training camp, and, you know, the word was that he's their tight end one. You know, he's always with the starters. Uh, he's easily the most talented tight end on the roster. Shane Zolstra was moved to IR, so there's less competition. Um, and he's passing every test, right? It's possible that he is going to be this, the, the second in targets to Amara St. Brown. He's becoming a primary option here. Um, and Benjamin Solak of the Ringer, he says that, you know, these two guys and Jameer Gibbs will probably account for a top-heavy distribution of targets. Um, you know, he, 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 kinda, he said 90%. I mean, that's kind of crazy. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, I, I get the point, right? Um, top-heavy distribution between those three guys, I could see it. So he's somebody that could be extremely fantasy relevant. Now, if I had to pick one rookie tight end to be the guy this year, it's going to be Dalton Kincaid. Last week, you heard what Sal Capaccio said about Dalton Kincaid. You know, talked to him a little bit offline, too. Like, he's the guy, man. Like, he's the guy who you should be targeting. Um, I was way out 
on Dalton Kincaid just because, you know, the fact that rookie tight ends usually don't do their thing. But this, if I think that a rookie tight end is going to have a high rap participation like I do with Dalton Kincaid <laughs> at this point, uh, you got to target him. Okay, especially with given the fact that this is Josh Allen, pass first offense, and there is no clear wide receiver two outside of Dalvin Cook. I'm sorry, outside of Stefan Diggs, right? And in, in that scenario, I think Dalton Kincaid can do his thing. So I'm in on Dalton Kincaid at his price. Sam Laporta, you know, he might be the next up, you know, followed by, listen, man, you know, in Green Bay, Luke Musgrave is also, you know, with, with the starters, you know, they had, I think, 12 snaps on on TV. The other day, there was a rotation of, you know, he was he was on the field for every single play on that drive, which is rare for a rookie tight end. Um, they were rotating wide receivers. They were rotating running backs, but... One thing that did not rotate, he did not come off the field. So that's something to, to keep in mind. All right, moving on. Moving on. Let's see. Um, Corton Sutton reportedly has been consistent, and he has been the the guy that Russell Wilson has been targeting in camp. He's He has been his top target, which is kind of crazy, right? He's fully healthy. Apparently, he's demonstrated more explosiveness than in any training camp since 2020 according to this athletic article. Um, by the way, I can tell you who that athletic article is from. That was from Nick Kosmider, who is a Broncos beat reporter for The Athletic. And when you look at what Sean Payton said about him, you know, he said that we kind of favor bigger receivers. So he fits that prototype or that type that we like. And it would be too early to make that comparison to Michael Thomas, but there are X's, there are good-sized players. And when you look at their stature, I would agree. So Peyton said that they prefer bigger receivers, okay? And this beat reporter is noticing that Sutton has been the most targeted wide receiver in camp. So what does that tell you? That might tell you that Jerry Judy is being targeted too high in drafts. Is he really going to break out? I mean, he had a really good fantasy season last year on a per-game basis when he was healthy, but Sutton was kind of banged up. Will he be banged up again uh, this offseason here and there? Could be. It's possible, but it is possible. I think there is a there's good reason to think that Cortland Sutton is the the difference in ADP between these two guys is way too high, right? Um, when both these guys were healthy last year, I mean the target share wasn't that much of a difference. They played ten full games last year together. Judy had a twenty three percent target share. And Sutton had a 22% target share. Now, Judy was just targeted, you know, he, he had only seven more targets during, during those 10 games, but he had almost <laughs> 300 more yards <laughs> than Cortland Sutton during that span, right? Um, it's, I think Jerry Judy is a better receiver than Cortland Sutton overall, but if they're going to favor Sutton in this offense, I'm not sure that Judy should be that target that we have been going after this entire time, right? Um, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, for the rest of the camp, there's still a lot of camp to go, um, but something to keep a note of, you know, and potentially even have Sutton as somebody that you want to target late in drafts. Uh, moving on to the Eagles, uh, DeAndre Swift has been the top back, um, but they have been mixing multiple backs in with the first unit. It seems like it's him. It's Rashad Penny, but also Kenny Gainwell is the primary back in the two minute offense. And that's something that's notable. 
because, you know, Elliot Shore Parks did say that, who's a beat reporter for the Eagles, did say that Swift, he thinks Swift is the RB1 for this team. But, uh, you know, based on what he's seen in camp, however, Gainwell has been the guy in the two-minute offense, which isn't amazing for DeAndre Swift because you would hope that, you know, with his pass-catching chops that he would be the guy there, right? And, and that kind of limits his ceiling a little bit because if the Lions are catching up in games or something, I'm sorry, the Eagles are catching up. Well, will they be catching up in games too much? I'm not sure about that. Right, I guess we don't have to worry about it too much since the Eagles are a good team. But still, end of a half, catching up, you want Swift to be the guy on the field, right? So that's kind of disappointing to hear. We don't want three running backs to be involved. But still, regardless, I'm still targeting Swift at his price. The upside is just too high. Um, they're using him a ton, a ton of routes. Um, they're kind of switching up the offense a little bit for him. Um, all good stuff to hear. All right, moving on. Uh, neither running back, you know, behind Alexander Madison is standing out. We talked about that the other day. Um, not much else there. Uh, it seems like the more and more of the offseason that goes by, the more camp that 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 you know we're getting into Alexander Madison. I'm getting I'm more and more open to grabbing him at ADP, especially if I didn't grab some running backs early uh, in the draft. He's somebody that I've been you know grabbing uh, a little bit more often than I was early on in the offseason. I think one of the last things I want to touch on is. Uh, take Bigsby and Travis Etienne, the Jaguars' backfield right now. Um, Jordan DeLugo, you know, he reported he reported that Tank Bigsby might have the be- might have some of the best hands on the team. That he's making one-handed catches look routine in practice. Um, Doug Peterson said that you know he's a better pass catcher than he's being than he's being credited for uh, coming out of college. You know, those these are you know, and then on top of that, right, you have him potentially being a goal line back. Right. Uh, John Shipley, who's a, another Jags beat reporter, said that uh, Bigsby scored two rushing touchdowns during the red zone period against the starting defense. Um, and he showed impressive downhill acceleration to combine with his hulking size. He also said that he looked like a runaway freight train when hitting the hole. And if Tuesday was any indication, this is last Tuesday, he could be in line for short yarded touches early in his career. OK, now. Shipley had another article from a day or two ago and said that day 11 of camp, ETN got the first crack at the start of the defense at the first real goal line camp period, okay? And he converted both times and looked good doing it, okay? So it seems like there is a little bit of a competition at the goal line here. If ETN does, in fact, become the goal line guy on an offense that is up and coming, then you want to be more interested in ETN. His price is still a little bit too high for me. But at the end of the day, and Doug Peterson also said the other day that he wants ETN to hit, you know, 15, 1600 yards, <laughs> right, rushing. Um, so it seems like, you know, he's clearly the 1A there. He's clearly going to be their primary rusher. But my concern for him is, is he going to lose high volume, high value touches, the money touches, the receiving game? Right, the goal line touches. Those are the th- those are the things that I'm a little bit worried about, because if he loses those touches to Tank Bigsby, it won't be great. Well, there's a little bit more camp to go. We'll see. I'm a little bit more open to taking ETN, but Tank Bigsby is looking good, and it's possible that this turns into a real one-two punch between these two guys. And you know, can can ETN still come through on his early you know RB12, RB13 price tag? Yeah, he can, but I'm not sure. I'm I'm going after him right now to be honest. All right. So that's going to do it for this podcast, guys. Appreciate you guys listening uh, to this solo podcast. Uh, 
probably won't hear Zach for a little while unless he wants to wake up at, or at least stay up until one, two in the morning and record with me. You might end up seeing that happen. Um, <laughs> he still wants to get in the pot. So uh, we'll see if we can make that happen. Uh, but I'll be back on Thursday with the mailbag. Um, if you have any questions, just make sure to, to DM me or comment on Instagram and I'll, I'll see if I can get that question answered on the mailbag episode on Thursday Appreciate you guys. If you could subscribe to the podcast, rate and review the podcast. It only takes a second. That would mean the world to me. Really appreciate you guys. And uh, we're back in a couple of days. See you later. Bye-bye.